0: to dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership, saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network, thanks for joining us and happy Friday, everybody.
2: Happy Friday. Woohoo.
0: Let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games, and my favorite detective is Magnum PI because, of course, Tom Selleck is awesome.
2: That is true. I'm Brian Truett. I watch movies and my favorite detective is Sherlock Holmes, though Batman is also up there because he is the self-proclaimed world's greatest detective, but maybe like number two or three.
1: Of Detective Comics. (laughs) Exactly. I'm Kelly Lawler. I watch television and my favorite detective is one Miss Veronica Mars. We used to be friends a long time ago. (laughs) If this
0: is your first time listening, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. While you're on Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you could write a quick review about the show, because not only do other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us, as a bonus, we give you a special shout-out on the next episode. So try it out. We get some great feedback, and you get a new podcast, and everybody wins. Uh, Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter, we're at MothershipPod, or you can send an email to MothershipPod at USAToday.com. On to the main topic. Here is a clip.
3: You think one of us, one of
0: his family, killed him.
3: Mr. Blanc, I just buried my father who committed suicide. Why are you here?
1: I suspect foul play. I have eliminated no suspects. Holland was cleaning house. Everyone in the family has possible motives. Was Harlan planning on cutting off Joanie? Did he plan to fire Walter? Is Richard having an affair? That's some heavy duty conjecture. Funny, Ransom, you
0: skipped the funeral, but you're early for the will reading. Up your ass.
1: Very nice. Oh, Ransom.
2: Ransom. Ransom. Ransom.
3: Ransom. So you
1: gotta do this more right, often. Serious. The family is truly desperate. When people get desperate, the knives come out. This is a twisted web. And we are not finished untangling it. Not yet.
2: I keep waiting for the big reveal.
1: All of them lied to me. There is one guilty party behind it all. You know something.
3: Spill it. Oh my
1: God. Tell me what happened to my grandfather. I think you have something you want to tell me.
0: That was from Knives Out, a new murder mystery out Wednesday, written and directed by Star Wars The Last Jedi's Ryan Johnson. Features an all star cast including Chris Evans, Hey Captain America, Tony Collette, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Christopher Plummer, and Daniel Craig, who plays Southern Fried investigator Benoit Blanc. It's a fresh take on an old genre, and that's why we're here today to talk about the murder mystery. Are they still relevant? Does anybody care? Today's special guest is another person who's taken a stab at reinventing the mystery for modern audiences. <laughs> author, but um, author Marine Johnson's young. You're adult, welcome. Yes,
2: you're welcome. Everybody.
0: Brian
1: wrote that script. He totally did. He totally
0: <laughs> did. Author Marine Johnson's young adult book series, Truly Devious, introduces teenage sleuth Stevie Bell. One of the newest students picked to attend prestigious Ellingham Academy, who is determined to solve a crime of the century that happened there in the 1930s. The trilogy ends in January with the hand on the wall, but Maureen stopped on board to talk all things detective. Maureen, thank you so much for being here. Let's start with Truly Devious. What inspired it and what inspired you to dive into murder mystery itself?
3: I've been a murder mystery story obsessive since I was a child. The first book I read, the whole book, was um, The Hound of the Baskervilles. Nice. And I got absolutely obsessed. I got absolutely obsessed with mysteries, puzzles. Um, I, I just, I always, that was always my interest. And for some reason, I never wrote one, I think, because I was so close to it that sometimes we don't do the thing that we love so much that we're like, oh, I can't do that. You know, I would just carry the Westing game around with me. When I was a kid, I just read it over and over and over. So finally, I said, it's time. It's time to do what I really want to do. And I wanted to make it as classic, proper. And I also wanted it to be a detective story, because specifically, I love detective stories.
2: Well, and let's talk about your detective, Stevie Bell. I'm on the record for absolutely frigging loving the first Truly Devious. Uh, The Vanishing Stare is great. I've I've read the new one that's coming up. I'm not going to give anything away, but it's it's fantastic too. What? How did you come up with her? And like, did she? Did you pull from like some DNA of other kind of like Columbo or Miss Marple or other kind of detectives that you know, literary detectives or, or movie detectives, TV detectives? Is there any other DNA in there in her?
3: Oh sure. First of all, do you think I tied it all up as I promised? Without, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say anything else, but but it's just
2: like yeah, I mean, it's like because I I reread the first the first two because because I, 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 when I got the galley for the third one I'm like I got to read this now, um, but yeah, it's 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 just a fantastic trilogy
3: because it was like doing a word problem for four years, so <laughs> I just was, it was just strings of things that I wrote the answers first so that I always you have to start with the solution I think with mysteries you have to know exactly what happened and why and where. And that's how I started the book was not even with who or how, but why. And then I worked the machinery out from that. But in order to make a teen detective, you have to really figure out a mechanism for that detective to live in, because you don't usually get to be a detective when you're 16. Um, So by making, I made the school, I built it sort of brick by brick around my needs Uh, for her for this case and I really wanted to do a cold case and I wanted to do an an amazing cold case where I could really bring in the atmosphere of the times and have clues and letters and slips of paper and things that you could try to crack.
2: Well and, and I think that's kind of cool. To, I was going to ask you about that. You know, it's, you know there's And I think this is, you know, going back to Knives Out, which is coming out on Thanksgiving, you know, around Thanksgiving, it's the great thing about what Ryan Johnson does is he has like twists and red herrings and tropes, but he uses them in a fresh way. And you do as well. I mean, kind of like, you know, throughout three books, you have like kind of like your Harry Potter elements where you have like her friends in the school and, you know, there's a there's a big mythology to it. But yet you have like, you know, you have your own archetypes, you have your own suspects, you, you know, kind of like you make that genre your own, you know, kind of as you're working out the word problem, how, you know, kind of the problem, the four year problem so, problem you had. How fun was that to kind of like reinvent things to not only kind of for your story, but just kind of like for other people to use from now
3: on? Oh, it's the most fun. I mean, it's genuinely writing books is the best. Writing books is the worst. When you <laughs> can't get the book done, you're sitting there thinking, how can I burn off my fingertips with, with acid and go on the run and change my identity and grow a mustache and I hire a boat and, and flee uh, over the seas? And this was a lot of fun to do, partially because I gave myself such a detailed roadmap, including a literal map. Um, I, I like maps. I use them in a lot of my books. I like tunnels and maps. I've used a lot of tunnels and a lot of maps before. And this one, when I drew the map, um, the map itself contains clues. So I really wanted to pull in, like, I wanted to give you as much stuff to play with, um, to look at, and to draw circles around. Um, and I'd like to do that even more in the future, because I think that's a lot of fun. So, yeah, I just, I, it was a bespoke school. So I started with my solution, and then I built it brick by brick. So I just... I just had to make it work. And I think that's how you create stuff is that you're, you have your, your premise, you have your idea, then you, I have to create the machinery and the buildings and the characters to make this core idea work. So um, it's a lot of fun. I feel very, very lucky to be able to do it because it was so much fun. And they and, and Harper was so great when I would say things like, "I need a map designer. I need this. I need that." And they were like, "No problem." And so yeah, it's I, I am all smiling. I'm smiling as I say this. So.
1: I really liked what you said about how you need to create a mechanism for a teenager to be a detective, which reminds me of a classic teen detective with a very, very, very different context on the CW currently the, I was wondering if you had any thoughts on the sort of sexy Nancy Drew reboot we got going on in the CW right now. I haven't seen it. Um, She has sex. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put that out there in the first episode. Nancy Drew
3: does it. (laughs) I like it. I mean, sure. Why not? I mean, I, I was using also the Veronica Mars model. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically Veronica Mars season one, which I really loved because you've got this hot case, this when I say hot, like a, an active pulsing case that she's so involved in. And she has to figure it out over in that case, you have 20 or 26 parts mm-hmm. and how do you sustain that plus all these other things that happen in between. And because of it, um, linking the past and the present can be tricky. You just have to sit there and do all the work and then um, the magic happens when you sit there and just do a lot of work (laughs) and sharpen your pencils.
0: So you mentioned Hound of the Baskervilles. What are some other favorite mysteries that um, have influenced your your writing and your work?
3: Or that you just love? When When I was a kid, I was very lucky. When I was 13, we got to go to England, and my mother and my father and I went to England, and I used all of my, you know... I didn't have a great deal of pocket money, but whatever the, you know, $50 or whatever I had saved up for the trip um, to buy stuff, I spent entirely on English editions of various Agatha Christie books that I would read in the back of the car. And we got to Stonehenge and I was reading, true, I was reading and then there were none. And I was on the last like the last 10 or 11 pages and anyone who's ever read and then there were none knows that the last 10 or 11 pages of and then there are none are pretty much the biggest bomb that ever goes off in the history of any mystery novel it's just huge because that's the story of these people that go to the island and they get killed off one by one and you have to, and it's in the end it seems impossible and my mom's like get out of the car and I was like, get out of the car until I read these pages. Get out of the car. Get out of the car. Get out of the car. And I was like, ah! And so I had, and then there were none with me, which has this terrible, scary fish cover, like a red herring. It's all bloody. It's really, it's really gross. Sorry, um, and I'm carrying, this, I'm carrying this around Stonehenge. I'm like, ah! ah I'm trying to read it. And to, a side note, my husband is English. And when we go to his parents' house, when we drive there, um... We drive past Stonehenge, and it's just there on the side of the road, like a bunch of weird rocks. And he's always very passe about it. And I was like, "There's Stonehenge," and he's like, "Who cares?" And I'm like, ah, "Ah!" And then I always get little riled up again, like, "Ah, the end!" Then the were the none. I'm on the last ten pages. Oh my god, I'm gonna have an aneurysm. So that one was a big one for me. Um, <laughs> the Westing Game. I really just wanted to be Turtle Wexler. I was my first fan crush, like, like book crush was Hercule Poirot because what teenage girl isn't in love with? Oh, it's even worse than that. My first fan crush wasn't even on Hercule Poirot. It was on Hastings, who is an idiot. Like what teenage girl preteen doesn't love a, you know, 50 year old retired, you know, retired English soldier who wants to uh, go and have, um, some um, build a business in Argentina and fail like you know who who isn't seduced by that um and what I do love is in the Poirot series with David Suchet how they really show you how wonderfully dumb he is so shout out to Hugh Frazier for really nailing that and going gosh a lot and I just love that so I, I just I can't help this Midsummer Murders which is a banana series in which every like people get killed constantly in these villages, but those little villages are like the village that my husband grew up in, truly. And so I'm always waiting for a kind of Badger's Drift situation to happen. And the person who does the murder will definitely be my father-in-law. But the person who will go down for it is the vicar, who is his arch enemy.
1: There's really a vicar?
3: There's really a vicar. My father-in-law really is is frequently at odds with the vicar and they also here's another thing i'm sorry i'm talking so much you can edit this but (laughs) we wouldn't dare when my husband first walked me around he lives in the forest it's called the new forest he walked me down the path where also it's full of wild horses so we're walking down the dirt path with the wild horses to the beautiful 11th century stone church that his parents are the deacons of and he's showing me around and he points over there and goes oh that's sir arthur conan doyle over there and i said come again there son and he said oh that's his grave over there my parents helped take care of it because sir arthur conan doyle is of course just buried in their the yard there he's just hanging out so Yeah. Is my husband a character from a fairy tale? Maybe. I don't know. Did I invent him? Is he an imaginary friend of mine? I'm not sure. But these are all real things that happen. So I'm just saying that when the murders happen, it will be my father-in-law and it will probably be in the village pond because the great argument in the village is where the village pond used to be.
1: (laughs) I'm just thinking of the detective vicar now from Grandchester.
3: If you watch. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's more. It's a, it has a very midsummer's mur- like
1: yeah, like
3: people peering out of the village shop and looking at right. someone who's opened up a Pilates studio, and they're gonna have to be killed with like a gargoyle, and their body will be dumped in the in the in the middle of the village. fete you know, this real vibes of this come off the town. So whenever I walk around, I'm always delightedly waiting for a murder.
2: Since you're such, since you are such a fan of it, what keep what do you think keeps it resonant at a time when you know it's it's a lot different than you know now than when kind of they were in their heyday with Agatha Christie okay. and Cole and you know Arthur Cronin Doyle, you know where every, now everybody's lives are so wide open on social media and folks are walking around with little, you know, little information machines to solve crimes and stuff in, in their in their pockets. What 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 about it keeps it resonant
3: now? At their heart, mysteries are puzzles that turn the world in, the, in, the, in their idealized form, turn the world right. That, you know, if you can, even you can um, bring someone to justice. In a lot of the Agatha Christie stories, you know, Hastings comes back, comes back injured from a war and Poirot is a refugee from war. And so she makes this character, this, this man, he's small. He's got strange habits. He waxes his mustache. He wears spats. He's all, you know, he irons his pajamas. And he, people make fun of him, but he is, you know, he's the hero. And Miss Marple is, she's an elderly woman. She sits in the corner and she knits and people dismiss her. But she is the hero. She's the heroine. So they're, they're very subversive and fun. She, you know, she, uh. I think the universal appeal is that like we like puzzles, we like logic, and we want, we want, we seek order in chaos.
0: I don't know if, if there are any plans or not, but if, say, Truly Devious were to become, say, a TV series or a movie or anything, who, is, who would you cast as Stevie Bell?
3: You know, I wouldn't. I always say that I, I'm not one of those writers that thinks of um, actors. I never seem to know who any actors are. <laughs> and also because they'd be so young that they're people that you wouldn't have seen yet.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, that they're... It, for example, we just had a movie come out on Netflix called Let It Snow based on a book I wrote with John Green and Laura Michael, And um, a couple of those actors came from other shows, but a, a bunch of them I did not know of because they're kind of new and up and coming. Um, so I don't know. I guess... Um, Yeah, I'm just not, I think it's because I also went to, I I came from a theater background as well that I I kind of kept those parts of my head separate that Mm -hmm. I'm like when I'm writing and when I'm writing and when I'm thinking about how things are staged, that's a second part of my brain. And those two, because I did adaptations, those two aren't allowed to talk to each other internally sometimes. (laughs) So uh, I don't think like that. So I never have a good answer to that question and I am the worst.
2: Do you foresee kind of like Stevie Bell coming back? I mean, that's something you want to return to.
3: Uh, you know what? Hold that space. And even, you know, that I might even be able to give a clear answer to that even a couple hours later today. Okay. That gives you any hint. <laughs> There's already a, um, a proposal in for um, the next Stevie Bell book. And we're, I think it went to acquisitions yesterday or something. So we're waiting. We're waiting to hear back. Congratulations! Yeah,
2: really, congratulations! Yeah, that's I'm a big fan of her and you, and so I'm. I'm, That's that's exciting.
3: Harper, I know Harper, my editor Harper wants to do it, so I I think I think it's I think it's a fait accompli, but I don't know. Like in case there's some internal thing that doesn't work out, I don't want to be like it's happening. But she definitely wanted more, and I wanted to do more. So that's it's already the 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 whole concept of the book is already written out. It has a name and everything, so.
2: Oh, neat. So it's just like a single, it's like a one-off book? It's not like a whole like trilogy?
3: The idea would be that the rest of them would be standalones. OK, cool. Because I've, I violated a rule um, with Truly Devious, which is that I told a mystery in three parts. And that violates the, one of the rules of mysteries, which is that they should always be solved in one. That's part of the game. So I tried to play the game as straight as I could, by giving a solve in every book and never, never misleading. Like there are mystery rules. There are lists of mystery rules that have been written and some of them are really outdated and should be ignored, but some are pretty good. Solve it in one. You can't just have the murderer be someone that appears at the end that the, the reader never had a chance to work on, like to think of. Um, So, yeah, I violated a rule. But in the future, I would try to keep to the rule of you get it in one.
2: But it's, uh, you know, kind of your trilogy is so much more than just kind of one mystery. I mean, kind of that's, right. it's it's her origin story. I mean, it's like how she how she came to this thing, the friends she makes. You know, there's a whole other, I mean, there's a whole other kind of book going on in the, in the you know, in the past. You know, so that you have, there's yeah. a whole lot kind of going on. So it's just like, you know, it's not like you know, it's not like one Agatha Christie story that's like put over three, three books. It's like, there's a lot going on just for, you know, for one book here.
3: Yeah. That that was all baked into the, to how I, I mean, it was a lot of charts and graphs (laughs) and kind of putting down, I wanted to make sure people got a lot of satisfaction out of each one. That's what I was attempting to do, to give them a fair shot, to give them some solutions and then to give them everything at the end.
1: So, um, we, you know, we talked about earlier in the podcast that we got knives out coming out in theaters and, um, there, you know, we, we obviously have the sort of the, the law and order SBU is still on there, you know? So what do you see the future of the mystery genre? You know, are we getting a little more drawing room kind of stuff? Clue Agatha Christie, you know, is like the CSI era almost over? Where do you think everything's
3: going? Well, we're certainly getting to the era of. I mean, people have always been interested in true crime, but Mm -hmm. now we're getting to the era where people can help solve true crime Mm -hmm. because we, you know, things like what Billy Jensen has done, um, like a murder squad, people, because people see information about cases or people crowdsourcing information like the Golden State Killer stuff, Mm -hmm. DNA databases, people feeling like they can play a role in helping provide information. And look, you know, if someone is willing to sit there and go through an entire phone book from 1977, things like that. So we're definitely getting into an era of people trying to help solve cold cases. So a lot of interest in cold cases. And I think people have always liked, I mean, I not only Knives Out, but um, uh, A Good Liar, really looks to me like I don't know if it's a straight up suspense or mystery but the trailer certainly reminds me of Sleuth Mm. um and Sleuth was remade I guess in the 2000s but it was originally I think 1971 and it's just one of my absolute favorites um I hope so because they're they're a game ultimately they are a game and that's why you like them because they're it's the it's a book that's a game that invites you to play
2: I think the detective thing is cool too because you know kind of we're in an era of of heroes you know they're usually super of of some sort you know super spy superman or woman of action you know super powered but I think you know and that's why you know that's why I love Stevie Bell that's why I love Benoit Blanc which is Daniel Craig's knives out character because they are they are investigators there's nothing super about them other than their intellect and they're the ones who have to like see everything and everybody for who they really are get past the artifice see you know dig into kind of the truth of everything and it's and it's it's a it's a it's a it's a more realistic thing but it's also kind of more authentic than like a superhero this is like somebody who like they want to they want to do the right thing they're going to go about it in an oddball fashion but it's kind of like that's why they're special
0: along with uh you know truly devious what are what are some other projects you're working on are you just focused on that for now
3: well, they're all, I'm in that stage of pitches are out, um, the proposals for things I want to do are all out. So I'm, I'm writing things up and waiting to hear back. So it's, it's, a, it's a fun phase where you write down the things that you want to do. And then, so hopefully in the next couple of weeks, and I, I mean, I just found out the one, so <laughs> the one or two. So there's, you know, there's going to be all the information's coming in. It's always like books, books, and more books, but probably some other, st- hopefully, some other stuff. So,
2: before we let you go, um, you mentioned "Let It Snow," and we're we're getting into the Christmas season. What was it like watching it kind of come together with care, you know, on a screen and on Netflix?
3: Yes, yeah, I've had lots of stuff optioned and scripts developed and things like that, but this was the first time it actually. That happens all the time. Everything, you know, lots of stuff gets optioned. And people, but getting stuff made um, is a whole other bag of worms. And uh, it was, I think what was interesting is that it was a group project, which helped a lot in terms of me processing it and just kind of watching what was going on because it is something you as an author, you kind of watch happen. Um, And luckily it, you know, I've heard of things going, I've heard, I've had definitely heard people have stories of things that get developed and they have terrible times Um, So ours was lucky that we had a really good time. Um, The producers really wanted to hear what we had to say. Uh, We wrote notes. They developed and changed a lot of stuff in a way that we thought was really positive um, and really updated it to make it um, reflective of 2019 and the world we want to see. So yeah, it's it's meant to be something really uh, enjoyable holiday. And, you know, but it's also got a lot of um, good stuff. It's got, uh, yeah, we updated the relationship. So it's got two girls in a relationship, a a great genderqueer performer. It was pretty fun, actually. I was also just kind of like, what is even happening? Do I have to wear shoes the whole night? Just, you know, the the premiere was very, (laughs) I'm a writer. You know, I would prefer being in my natural habitat, which is the one I'm in now, which is at my house. My dog is asleep next to me. Aww. You know, I've got, yeah, she's, she's all curled up, you know, on a pile of blankets that she's messed up because she buries all of her toys under them. You know, <laughs> we, live, we live in terrible, adorable squalor, and we are not creatures of the light. And, um, you know, when you make us come out and put on shiny things, so that we, we, we blink away from the lights and we hide in the shadows. But, you know, it all turned out. It was fun. Had little tiny sliders. At a diner there was a big party.
2: The diner was cool. The di- yeah, the diner and seeing my my guy Jacob Allen who I've like covered for like, you know, all the Spider-Man movies. That's a that's a good dude. I'm glad he's getting more work.
3: Oh, he is a really nice guy and very funny. They all were just truly really nice. Um, Isabella and her she has a um, a support dog that she travels with and he, the, so I got to hang out with her dog, even. And, um, you know, I remember Shamit coming over to say hi to my parents. and like, Everybody was just really nice. So, you know, Mitchell's like, Mitchell's was a like sweetheart. And like they're, they're, they were all just really nice and professional. It was one of, it's like, if I only have one Hollywood experience, I'm glad it was this one. Because nobody sucked.
0: <laughs> well, congratulations again. And thanks so much for joining us.
3: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm sorry that I, I get very excited about the topic of mysteries. And I am very, I'm really excited because now I was like, yep, thank you for making a movie for me. I appreciate it.
0: Well, we'd love to have you back on to talk more mystery.
3: Listen, anytime you're ready, I'm sitting here just holding a microphone,
0: just, <laughs> just,
3: just staring into space, waiting to plug it into something.
2: Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Okay, listeners, it's your turn. Are you checking out Knives Out this Thanksgiving? Who's your favorite detective of all time? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, or you can tweet at us individually. I'm at Brett molina 23
2: I'm at Brian Truitt.
1: And I'm at k K-L-A-W-L-S.
0: Don't forget, you can email us, too. We're at MothershipPod at USAToday.com. But we're going to wrap things up here. Thanks so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilot producers of The Mothership this week, Shannon Green and Claire Thornton. You can follow Claire, by the way, on Twitter. She's at Claire underscore Thornto, T-H-O-R-N-T-O. Not like an actual toe but Thornto.
1: But like, wouldn't that be funny?
0: That would be kind of awesome. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, how about leaving us a rating or a review? It helps other people find the pod, and we love the feedback. Um, if Apple Podcasts isn't your jam, you can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Quick programming note before we go, we're going to take off next week for Thanksgiving because I think having all the turkey and all the fun Thanksgiving food and stuff is going to make us too tired to do a podcast, really. But
2: Probably. Um, also, you know, going off of the Friends being a trash sitcom that I <laughs> throw out there. <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh, more hot takes. Hotter take. Hotter take. Well, two of them. Okay, I'm ready. Hot take one. Okay, yeah. Hot take one. Sweet potatoes. Are the trash side of Thanksgiving? You've never the had them F prepared correctly. Out oh, wow.
0: I guess, uh, and you're eating them wrong.
2: And no, on pie. Pie, pie's take. over. O oh for two, o oh for two. Pie. I will
1: say my husband um, hates cake, loves pie, has pie on his birthdays.
0: Yeah. See, I'm okay with that. Pie's awesome. Interesting. No pie's okay, well, not yes awesome. it is. Oh, I'm pie. okay
1: with both oh, pie. I'm okay with everything because I don't like chocolate, and I like people respecting me, even though I don't like chocolate. So. You're still good in my book, Brian. Let us know. I'll on, make you sweet potatoes one day, though. You'll
0: let, like them. Let us know on Twitter, problem. cake versus pie. Let us know at Mothership Pod. Until the week after Thanksgiving, nerds out. Who done it?